Good evening, Matt. Uh, good, yeah, 6 p.m. Good evening. This is actually the first time we've recorded at night, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> I think so. I feel like I've been getting up at crazy times a lot. Yeah. Um, you'd know better since it's uh, I'm kind of on weirdo schedule right now, and you're on a more normal. Uh, well, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's it's nine at after nine at night for me, so yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's it's weird. I've always been very hesitant to do any sort of recordings at night because I've always had like this dread that uh, baby mania is going to take place, and uh, it's it's something I fear. It's awfully worse. quiet there now. Yeah, it's actually not so bad. I mean, so my, uh, I changed my mic setup a few weeks back, and it, it seems to be pretty good. It doesn't pick up any noise. I've actually got a white noise machine on in the background that's that's playing wave sounds. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I did a quick test. It doesn't seem like the mic's picking it up. I could be wrong. Maybe uh, all y'all are going to be listening to ocean sounds this whole t- podcast. <laughs> Quiet down um, for one second. Let me test that teary out. I think you're good. Okay. Is it waves and stuff? Yeah, it's like ocean waves. Yeah, no, I uh, I don't hear anything. Okay, great. Yeah, nice. and so so uh, that was half my concern was that the mic was going to be picking that up, and it would have with my old mic set up. Um, and then the other half of my concern is waking up my baby, but uh, I I think I can relax on that. I think he's a much heavier sleeper than we give him credit for. Nice. So. Nice. Yeah. Um, pretty much everything you said is like the same for me. I mean, it's, it's only six my time. So, uh, yeah. there's a 100% chance, obviously my kid's awake, but, um, <laughs> she's surprisingly quite, I don't know. Can you hear anything? No. Yeah. Um, quiet. And if she was to sleep, like if we did this a little earlier, for example, then, uh, mm. uh, I'm pretty confident I would not wake her up just by chatting. So, mm. yeah, you're in a pretty different part of the house anyway. So I'm like, in the room directly beside where my kid sleeps so nice you're pulling it off like a champ man yeah (laughs) (laughs) i gamble with the best of them uh so anything new and exciting on the go have you uh been playing lots of uh ftl uh yeah uh, i can't beat it either i i either i suck at the game or i'm just (laughs) not putting enough effort in i find it's the kind of game it's like i'll kind of play around while i'm doing other things so i'm yeah um since i uh, as you know, have some uh, job changes coming up. I'm kind of I'm doing some online courses. <clears throat> okay. Uh, to learn some things, I'm kind of playing it while I do the course. <laughs> just <laughs> you're doing the course just for fun, or is it recommended? Uh, no one's recommended it, but um, so so it's just for fun then. It's kind of well, no, it's kind of <laughs> like I don't want to get I don't want to like start a new thing and just yeah, be yeah. totally clueless and not know what's going on. It's part of it, although it is uh, actually kind of enjoyable. So um, I don't mind, and I have the time to do it now. Uh, I, I was completely the same way. I mean, when I when I first got into games, like uh, I'd been doing stuff with Unity, mm. but I knew full well that my job was going to be with Unreal Engine. So as mm. soon as I found out that I got the job, I spent like the next couple months trying to learn Unreal Engine. Did you find so. it useful? Oh yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it's it's it sucks if you like land on the job and you've just got no idea what's going on. But so. when they interviewed you, I don't know how much you can say, but when they interviewed you, was that a concern for you or for them? Or, well, like, do they assume, did they say basically, well, just, you know, um, ramp well, no, up? No, they, they, they knew that I wasn't uh, familiar with the software. So they, they, they kind of knew that there was going to be some ramp up time. Um, mm. and, and especially since that was my first uh, game project, like I'd always worked in film up till that point. Right. So. Yeah, they they knew there was going to be some growing pains, but uh, even still, like it, it's not fun to ever have that feeling that you're holding things up. So, yeah, I I totally feel like doing as much research as I can before I get a job, uh, and even even if it's not like anything software related, I can do. But if it's like just researching the uh, the franchise that I'm going to be working on. Hmm. Hmm. Got it. So it's probably the same in your world as mine. I mean, there's a lot of companies <clears throat> in the, for like for software people who are kind of uh, like language and even technology agnostic. Where if if you can prove at the interview you're like smart and can catch up and just make yeah. a difference quick, then eh. So he has zero experience in this. Whatever. Come on board. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, software. You know, every package is going to have its quirks and its special yeah. features and stuff. And it's it's totally about like, is the person intelligent enough to know how to ask a question if he doesn't know what he's doing or, uh, you know, can he figure stuff out? So, yep. Cool. 
Uh, was uh, your interview difficult or any of your interviews for game-related things? Uh, so, I mean... I think I interview well. Yeah, okay. Well, I was uh, just going to say, it's kind of famous in, especially like for software developers at like the big, whatever, you know, Microsoft, Google, Facebook, this kind of company, they put you yeah. through like a full day with like six one-hour interviews and they just really grill you. Um, I have no clue what like what you face looking to get into uh, a game company as a VFX artist. Uh, you know, I think the game studios have actually been way more rigorous than film was. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sad to say, but I, I feel like a lot of jobs, you're, it's, it's way easier to get your foot in the door if you know someone mm, who yeah. has recommended you in the first place. Yeah. Um, so I feel like with film... I worked at a company that makes software and then I had people who could vouch for me. And so it seemed like the interview process never was in depth at all. Like they basically just wasn't really an interview. It was more a formality. It was more like them telling me what they're working on and letting me know or letting me figure out whether or not I was cool with it. (laughs) Right. Uh, so, so then it was very weird because when I switched to games, it was very much like a complete lack of trust in me yeah. because I hadn't worked in games before and, and yeah. working in real time is significantly different than doing like week long simulations of water and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had to actually like, uh, argue my case a little bit that I knew what was going on. Right. Uh, and I don't know, maybe th- maybe that also has something to do with that I'm, I'm applying for more senior roles and stuff. So mm. I don't know. Do they have you like uh, like actually pull out your tool set and like do like simulate things in front of them? I mean, I feel like what you do just, just no. yeah, you can't even pr- produce something demonstrable. Well, in, it's in an interview, it's right? it's dependent. Like uh, my film jobs never I never had a test um, and and companies will actually sometimes do tests for people like Mm. they will get them to do tests simulations and stuff um it's actually quite common for television and i guess advertising particularly where you have to do stuff on a short timeline at a regular basis ah okay um so what is a test like what is is that like a take-home thing and like send us something or do they actually quiz you on the spot no, it's it's like you have a day or mm. a, a, or two days to to do a little animation to show that you can do something. Uh, right. So I actually did have one job at one point uh, the in Scotland uh, at an advertising company, uh, and so they did actually get me to do a test for them, uh, which I I passed. Uh, and then they hired me for something completely unrelated to the test. Oddly <laughs> enough. <laughs> yes, and I believe uh, it didn't turn out so well. No, well, it depends on how you look at it. That, it, it from the job, uh, from their point of view, it didn't turn out too well. We won't get too into yeah. that in this particular episode. <laughs> uh, but no, with with games, they didn't make me do any tests. But uh, oh, with sorry. all the other with all the other companies, they just did like phone or Skype interviews. Okay. Uh, and uh, the first game studio I worked at. That was fine. I had a couple of Skype interviews with, uh, at first just with the lead, and then at first, and then at second with like a bunch of team members. So if I can interject really quick, sorry, I'm mm-hmm. just really curious. Like, what is that Skype interview? Like, what do they ask you, and what do they do? Uh, well, I, I, sorry, I'm, I'm just distracted by the fact that we're going into an interesting discussion, even though it's not at all what we intended on talking about. <laughs> <laughs> as 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 we tend to do, um, which is okay. I would. I would yeah, add. yeah. Um, well, uh, so the first job I'm trying to remember because it was back four years ago, almost or something. And, I don't know. I guess my again, kids this only. This is I games, get, right? Yeah, or my my film? kids only two and a half years old. So it was two and a half years ago that I had this <laughs> interview. <laughs> uh, so if I can recall, they they basically were asking like what type of games I'm into. Uh, they were asking stuff like if I had to do a certain type of effect, like w- w- how would I go about tackling it, or or I guess. Uh, 
they actually gave me the scenario of like there's a level where there's monsters coming up through the ground. Uh, what would you do for the effects? Okay. And so it's like uh, you've kind of got to think on the spot. It's like, okay, well, am I doing just the effects for the monster itself or if I'm doing the stuff as it's coming out of the ground? Are there like other stuff in the scenes that could be like giving off the sense of the like destruction and stuff happening like if there's fire hydrants and stuff like if he's come are they just coming up purely through a hole or is it kind of like seismic activity that's causing it and therefore if it's seismic activity maybe like fire hydrants are going off or like uh, it, it's killing street lights or something like uh, what sort of dust effects and debris effects need to be done or like what's the size of this creature does it have like a uh, drool coming out of its mouth or it d- does it have like any sort of special aura or anything like that so there's a lot of like coming up with on the, on the spot like what are all the different cases that you may need to do and then uh, maybe given a certain timeline what is realistic for you to be able to do and then you know the last cue is like what kind of approaches would you take which at the time I hadn't done any game stuff so was, uh, I could only grasp at straws at like how would i have done this for film and does it make sense doing it that way or or is maybe that approach really uh simulation intensive and maybe there's a a a more lightweight solution that could be done for games so interesting and how much did your like i mean did you prepare for it or did you kind of oh no there's there's like (laughs) no preparing for this at all it's it's like all the questions are on the fly so um right yeah, it's, it's my the only preparation I I did before the interview was just uh, following some tutorials in Unreal Engine so that I could kind of get a sense of like uh, how do you make some particle effects or like how do mm. you build a shader and stuff so that you can just have enough familiar familiarity to know whether or not you will feel comfortable in the software. Okay, I see. Um, so I don't know. I, I I feel like when I'm asked a question, I'm I'm generally able to to come up with something on the spot that sounds sane. <laughs> uh, so obviously that interview went well, and I ended up getting the job. Um, right. And, and uh, do you think the interview would have been styled differently if it, like you said, it was uh, for like a more senior role, like if you were very junior? That just out of that one. That one wasn't like uh, that one wasn't for a senior role. Mm. That was just for regular effects. Okay. artist role um so i i think i was kind of fine on that like they they knew that i was pretty experienced with houdini and i and i kind of knew a lot of the principles of what i was talking about so um, and were you working with houdini or was that already you were going to be working with uh unreal at that point uh, that i job? worked i worked with it for a little bit um i i did have to build like some textures like for explosions and smoke and and stuff in it but mm-hmm. um no for the you know 90 percent of my time was in unreal engine and maybe nine percent of the time was in Houdini, and one percent was in Photoshop. Interesting. So they actually like they provide you with Houdini as well. Like it's a tool. That's oh yeah. Okay. So they just have like you, you can use your tool. Of, like I mean, if if you went in with say uh, a background in in Maya or something, like they just they have all the tools so that anyone, all these people mm. from diverse backgrounds, could just hop in and start making things. Yes, I, I, I really have no idea about VFX. Obviously, the, yeah, I mean, I mean, they don't just have it on stock permanently. Like they, they'll kind of tailor it based off of whoever is mm. there. But yeah, I think, you know, for for character animation, it's a lot more specific. Uh, or like environment modeling, I think it's generally like everyone uses the same package. Mm. Uh, but for Houdini, or, or sorry, for VFX, where most of the stuff is actually being done um, as textures. And, and not, like, live uh, explosions and, and stuff in the game, per se, but mm. as, like, images. Um, they don't really care how you generate those images. So, like, if, right, if you're super good at painting, you can you could paint the stuff in Photoshop. Uh, right. Or, yeah, you could, if you're really good at using Fume effects, maybe you want to use 3D Studio Max. Or if you want to use N particles, you, you can use Maya if you want. But... Uh, so, so for the most part, that's the case. But w- every now and then, they will have like a specific thing that they've built into their pipeline that you you just have to use that tool for because it's it's what the whole workflow is designed around. Yeah. Um. So. And does beca- that tend to be unreal or in your experience? Uh, 
well, no, for for in that instance, what I was going to say is that like there were three of us that were brought on specifically because we knew Houdini, and hmm. so like the destruction pipeline where where you like break buildings or bridges or what not like that that was done with Houdini, um, and then and then you would. So there's like all sorts of different ways that you can break stuff apart. Sometimes it's like completely pre-fractured and pre-simulated, and then you j- you're just loading in a cached sequence uh, that's already saved to disk as is, and it'll never be different than it is. Um, and so that's what we use Houdini for. And then other times maybe we'll use Houdini just to fracture, like pre-fracture it, but then the actual live simulation will happen in game. Okay. Cool. And the di- the difference between those is like one is more for like backgrounds that you never need to actually interact with, and the other maybe will only be made up of like five different chunks of a table or something, and you can actually kick those around. Okay. Um, but you kind of want as little as possible to be simulated on the fly, just because it's it's computationally quite expensive. And yeah. Of you know, if you're trying for sixty frames a second, <laughs> you can only. <laughs> You can only right. calculate so many things. And I'm sure that's case by case too, right? Yep. Like, yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, but uh, so, so yeah. And, and then, so after I had that job, uh, after I had my first uh, foot in the door, that actually took me a, a long time to get. Like there was, uh, while I was living in San Francisco, like uh, we, I kind of decided I wanted to get out of film and got into, um, get into games. And so I took, time off because uh, my wife and I were living apart at the time and it, that sucked uh, so I quit <laughs> film uh, and then it was actually I don't I don't know if it was purely because I was living in the states and I didn't have any sort of work visa or anything but it, it was really hard for me to get a job so like I, I felt like I was overqualified for some stuff that I was applying for but mm. they still just weren't interested because I didn't have game experience yeah I kind of remember and I think well, I don't want to, I'll, I'll pose it as a question, I guess. I mean, I, if I recall, I think you were trying to, you, you actually went uh, like kind of, it, it seemed like things were going well with a few companies and then I think they weren't willing to sponsor you for a visa. Is that correct? Or yeah. that, that became um, a problem at some point? Yeah. And it was interesting because there was one company like, so particularly if you're from Canada or uh, Mexico, like there's the whole uh, process through NAFTA that uh, made it is quite simple to get a, a TN or a status yeah. um, to, to do work like that. But um, not everyone knows what's involved. Like a lot of Americans, uh, they think that it's a complicated process, even though they haven't necessarily looked into it. So they're not willing to 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 even really look into it hmm. um so to be fair do you think it's different in canada <laughs> uh i honestly have no idea i've uh, i've never had to pay attention to it so yeah i just haven't but um from what i understand it is just as easy for an american to use that nafta status to to work in canada i believe it works exactly the same way you have to do exactly yeah. the same process exactly the same like proving you can't hire a local person kind of thing yeah 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 um but yeah it was really weird because there was one company that uh didn't want to go through that process they just wanted me to start working um, <laughs> um, i'm i'm never gonna name that company cause sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, from what i know that that's yeah that's a, a terrible uh <laughs> that's a, that's a terrible thing for everyone that's extremely elite yeah <laughs> lots of people will get in trouble <laughs> uh yeah i like i would never be allowed back in the country <laughs> um, yeah and they would be fined significantly they, as well yeah so th- that seemed really bizarre to me because mm. like it would have been really easy for the, me to get the tn status if the, mm. if they had have been willing to do it that way did uh, you kind of have that discussion with them like say you know here's what yeah, i'd but like to do yeah, and and I proposed it, and they said, "Well, you know, we, we don't really want to hire anyone full time right now." And I'm like, "You're not supposed to hire people full time on this. <laughs> like, the, the, it's not the same as an H-1B. Like, you're not supposed to offer full time." <laughs> uh, so I don't know. They didn't want to look into it, and I was like, "Sorry, this this I I 
am under the impression this is not legal, so I'm not going to take you up on this offer. <laughs> you actually said that. In yeah. Term. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Word for, crazy. Uh, word for word. Because, you know, at that point, um, my wife was pregnant. Uh, we were pretty interested in letting our son get born in the in the U.S. so that he could get citizenship. And it seemed like, why risk doing something that's going to, like, potentially get us banned from the country and stuff like well it's especially the troublesome if like like i don't know what your experience was like but in my experience where you you know kind of establish a relationship with a hospital and a doctor and your yeah. wife gets comfortable and if you suddenly have to leave the country and it's like well, okay like where are we going to even go and and kind of reestablish those relationships and stuff yeah it's very uncomfortable going through that at that stage for sure yeah so yeah. i mean so yeah, it was difficult to get my first job, and then finally I did get my first job, and it helped that I I knew a couple of the people there that gave me the in, uh, that gave them the incentive to interview me in the first place. Um, right. And, and had those people also come from uh, like a film background and then made the jump, or were they uh, always? Yes, actually. Hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, Very interesting. So that makes me think. I don't know, but going back to my experience with like big software companies in uh, in the U.S. anyway, like most of them work directly with like an external lawyer firm, law firm. Mm. And then it's like, I just feel like no matter what, they just have a, an army of lawyers ready to just take care of any situation. And there's never any like kind of that's the nat like the sketchiness you described. Yeah. I've never even come close to encountering anything like that. Yeah. It makes but, me wonder. Yeah. It's but like, in they... fairness, you've dealt with pretty big companies, right? That's like, exactly like, are you <laughs> dealing with smaller companies or was that a surprise to you? Because it's yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, okay. there's, uh, there's an awful lot of companies in the world that are smaller than Microsoft. <laughs> so, <laughs> really? Or, so, well, I'm still, uh, I, I, I know we're not naming names, but I would still imagine yeah. like some, if you did drop names in the industry, like the bigger companies, um, who people have heard of. And yeah. I mean like, like EA, employees. EA is a, a massive company, yeah. right? Like, like they're one of the biggest names in the industry so yeah. of course they're going to treat you differently than um whoever uh, yeah whoever like yeah. um and i mean even like like square enix over in japan like they've got a job site where they'll look for english-speaking people and stuff now and then too right like yeah. if if a if a big company is going to try to get you there they're generally going to help you out with that process but a smaller company that may be working on a more exciting project um mm. Uh, may not necessarily know <laughs> the yeah. ins and outs of all the legal stuff as well. Got it. And how do uh, uh, how do salaries compare between those smaller, exciting projects versus, say, I don't know, the bigger companies? Uh, it's it's hard to do an apples to apples yeah, comparison yeah. because they're always going to give you different benefits. Like some right. some companies will give you like uh, a, a percentage of the profits. Right. And some will give you s company stocks and some will give you like of course. three weeks vacation versus two weeks vacation or something. So yeah, kind of looking for um, a ballpark, I guess. Something the that might be interesting for someone to know. Uh, yeah. Um, difficult. It's, it's, it's too difficult to answer, especially because, uh, yeah, I just don't want to get into it. Yeah, okay. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I'm all, I'm I'd be happy to get into it one on one but not so much in uh, uh on super public chat. Um <laughs> That's fair. But yeah, it's it's always going to depend like uh, person to person it's going to depend. Uh like a a, l a large part of any salary anyone gets is is based off of their ability to to bargain. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, you're you're gonna get different amounts just from person to person, and then d from uh, seniority in your jobs, and then obviously, yeah, uh, if if a company's bigger than another company, they can afford to hire people better. So fair, fair. Um, uh, so I yeah, the, the 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 big thing after that was once I did get it, my foot into the door, uh, because I'm only now on, I guess, starting my third project now, but. Um, Third project Big in games, you mean, or yeah, third yeah. project the current company? Uh, in games, period. Okay. But, but after I only had one game under my belt, people were still kind of skeptical. Like they still mm. wanted to grill me. Um, and this time it was less. Like now they knew that I I had gotten my foot in the door, so they didn't want to ask me the basic questions like how would you approach this effect. Now they wanted to know like, uh, 
how do you optimize your effects? Mm, like straight nice. up, like how do you do it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's that must be a little bit of a like yeah I've made it kind of feeling there I imagine. Yeah, it's it's nice because I've I um, I had interviews with two, in my opinion, big companies um, after after leaving uh, the the coalition on Gears of War four. So mm. I, I I had interviews with two companies and they both seemed interested enough to want to hire me. So it was. Uh, I guess I feel more confident now uh, that I'll be able to continue get jobs. <laughs> nice, nice. And uh, I, I mean, I, I feel like we might have even touched on this before uh, in the podcast. But um, do you? Uh, I know the answer, but do you um, have any regrets leaving film, or is it you just never want to look back? Uh, yes and no. Um, I'm I'm very much the type of person that wants to do everything. <laughs> yeah, so, totally understand. So <laughs> it's it's hard. Like uh, you know, it, it was fun working on an indie project specifically because I got to do everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we were, hu- I, I was helping to do the design. I wasn't doing any programming when you and I were working on something. Uh, but uh, you know, I was doing art and I was doing game design, and I got to do music as well. Mm. Um, and marketing and and i i love it all and and to an extent it's the same with film and versus games like it's i i enjoy games more than i enjoy film Mm. like i play way more hours of games every year than i do watching film and does that translate well into working like do you enjoy working in games way more than film as well i think so Mm. um games i find um so I I think I think that might I think it might be a difference between who owns the property. Okay. Um you know, particularly if you're doing it independently, whether it's film or games, you get to own everything and and you you're going to either love or hate, but you get to do it all. Right. With film, the studios that I worked at were generally s- service providers. Okay. So someone owned the property and they hired us to work on it and they kind of got to call all the shots on like w- what do they want. Okay. And so it's very much up to us to like try to meet what they want and okay. then do revisions and stuff based on whether or not they're happy with it. So maybe Where your particular experience has differed, but wouldn't that be something that's prevalent in games as well with like publishers and developers? Yeah, I mean I I can't think of any games offhand where that's kind of the case where they're like service providers like i I, it obviously happens like studios will outsource and stuff so it obviously happens um but i think generally speaking with games the companies tend to own their properties like square owns final fantasy and uh you know uh, microsoft owns gears of war and bioware owns mass effect and stuff so they don't really have someone breathing down their neck quite the same way as it is in film so in that sense i find it more uh satisfying to work in games because there's a lot more collaboration between the artists themselves on what do we want to put in this level what do we want this weapon effect to look like right um so I, I find working in it much more satisfying. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, every now and then I'll see a movie and I'll be like, oh, man, that was that was good. And those effects look amazing. And I wish I could be working <laughs> on something that looks that amazing. Because the reality is, you know, you simulate a shot for film and you might have three months to work on a 10 second shot. Right. And when you have three months on it, you can really make everything look gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, but in games, you know, you, you've got like 80, an 80 hour long game right. and just as many people working on it for the same amount of time. So <laughs> you don't get three months. Uh, and on top of that, everything has to happen in real time. So even yeah. if you could make everything look amazing, like the computer's just not gonna handle it yeah so you you really 
it's like a trade-off between like getting to do a lot more problem solving and like cheating and stuff to to work with what you can in games versus in film just kind of i don't know luxuriously (laughs) making it look as beautiful as you can okay okay do you think uh having come to games and stayed in games for a number of years and presumably from here on out a few more years do you think uh, a transition back into film would be difficult or yes yeah you do yeah um i i so they would be hesitant to hire you or like you having gotten the job would would have trouble adjusting um, i think right now i'm at a spot where i could do it no problem uh, right. Like it, it, it still might be a little bit of uh, legwork for me to get back up to speed to to do things because you know there's new techniques being developed every year. So yeah. the longer I'm out of it, the the more I'm out of date with the n- the latest greatest techniques. Right. Um, I think I could do it right now, and I believe recruiters are obviously confident of that too. Because <laughs> like I'm getting. I get recruiters coming after me pretty regularly for both film and games. So oh, nice. That, that must feel uh, good anyway. <laughs> so, so it it definitely helps that I have both games and film experience now. Like I mm. I can kind of work in either world right now. But the same way that the games industry was really skeptical of me and my ability to optimize, mm. the film industry seems really skeptical of games artists. Okay. Uh, like they think that games artists can't make things look beautiful. <laughs> you get a little bit of that on the uh, the software side too. Yeah. Some snobbery towards the uh, the game programmers. Yeah, like like people, they they seem to just think that the the it can't be done, yeah. uh, <laughs> which is silly. Like, obviously, you're going to cultivate the skills that are necessary to do your job. And, and just because you're not using the skills required to do a different job doesn't mean you're too dumb to do it. <laughs> it's really just snobbery, isn't it? I mean... I think so. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think it's... Having switched to games, I think it's bananas. Because doing visual effects, I learned more about what's actually happening under the hood with computer graphics working in games than I ever did in film. Right, yeah. <laughs> so now that I have that experience, I'm like, okay, give these people the resources, and of course they're going to be able to do something that looks amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the film people, they're they're just like, well, look at his demo reel. This doesn't look photorealistic. Like, I can't consider him. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's, it's, it's disappointing because I can now understand both points of view, and I can see that... They're both slightly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think th- uh, that'll kind of always happen. I don't know. I mean, there's probably... Do you think there's a lot of people like you who have gone back and forth or tried both? Or do people tend there's to... There's not a, a tremendous amount. Yeah. There's there's really not a lot. I, I know a handful of people that have done both. Right. And do you think uh, those people who've done both, what the, the place they ended up is probably, I'm guessing, where they wanted to be. It's not really the case that, like they're just kind of interested in everything or maybe maybe it is i don't know uh i don't know uh i don't i can't think of anyone offhand that's floated back and forth hmm. everyone that i know has gone from film to games and stayed at games right uh Good to know. <laughs> ec- except one person who's just like completely taking time off right now so hmm. maybe maybe he'll go back to film who knows <laughs> <laughs> got it got it um, very interesting. I guess one more question uh, that is on my mind. Um, for me, I've always, I mean, you have like, like companies whose product is software, right? Like say Google or something. So if you work at Google, you're at this big software company uh-huh. that's known for building quality software and so on. So, I mean, you're as a software developer, you're just surrounded with resources and stuff. I've always, for me personally, like that is just so much more, um, uh, I don't know, desirable than say, being on the software team at a bank and there's like five of you and you kind of support the, <laughs> the back end on the bank, right? Like it's the yeah. software is kind of this small part supporting a bigger thing, I guess. Yeah. So I'm wondering um, for you, like, I don't know, I could only guess, but I feel like, I mean, I know you've worked at some of the bigger uh, VFX companies. Mm-hmm. I think those companies specialized in effects, whereas like a game company, like say EA 
doesn't just mm. do effects. Effects is a yeah, very yeah. small portion of everything they do. Do you ever feel that way? Like you're you're kind of this misunderstood small group, or or it'd be nicer if you had a bigger, I don't know, like a more specialized maybe company atmosphere doing that, or does does that happen to you? Mm, I guess I'm not a hundred percent sure. I I understand the question. Like, well, like when you worked in it, film, it was I it was de- it was definitely. Like the only thing I can say is basically just what what I'd said earlier. Like the the difference between who owns the property. Like, right. Like if if you worked at DreamWorks or if you worked at Pixar, it's probably going to be a lot more similar to what I'm doing now at uh, Bioware or what I was doing at Microsoft. Um, right. Because yeah, it, it is going to be much more a collaborative effort of of people figuring out what is going to make the end product better as opposed to how do I satisfy the client right um, so I don't know if that answers your question um mm, no perhaps <laughs> I don't know I guess let me try and rephrase it because uh, uh, so so where where I did work in film like when I worked right. at digital domain for example uh, like it wasn't just people who did simulations like me like there were right. character artists and riggers and compositors and lighters and stuff there too so it, it was okay. a full team of people it wasn't just effects people okay so um, it's probably me kind of misunderstanding perhaps but um i guess do you okay how about like just team sizes in general between uh say film and games do you find there's a big yeah. difference there and is it a weird feeling to have worked in both it's weird because I can only have my perspective of it. And right. so, like, the first film team that I worked on, I think there was maybe eight or nine of us in effects. Okay. And then the second project I worked on was Happy Feet 2. Right. And that had over 60 people in visual effects, hmm. okay. which is a massive team. <laughs> and then I went back to Digital Domain and I think there was around like nine or ten of us again okay and so i kind of get the sense that like that's a normal number for a studio is around that much right but then i switched to games and again there was around 11 people and everyone on the team was like flabbergasted that we had such a large team (laughs) i see so so it's (laughs) so so it's it's weird for me because i've worked in much larger teams Mm. and and uh, so that felt very normal. And again, at Bioware, we, we've overall on, on the project, we had around the same numbers. So it seems normal to me. But again, everyone here is like, this is a large team. So I get the sense that, um, you know, I think back on like the original Mass Effect or like the original Guild Wars game. I think there wasn't anyone that was specifically doing effects. Like, I think back in those days, like a decade ago, uh, it was just artists. And, you know, if you had to do effects, you did them, but you just, you did art in general. Okay, so so people who've experienced that kind of thing are now thrust into kind of your world a little bit, maybe. Yeah, so now now the teams are, like, becoming a little bit more specialized. And, uh, you know, at first there may have been one VFX artist on a team. And now over the years, it's it's grown up to around ten, and that's becoming normal because it's it like the same thing that's is happening. Like if you look at the difference in graphics between the the regular Nintendo and the Super Nintendo, like it it wasn't that incredibly drastically different. Like maybe when you're looking at doing Mode Seven or something like using polygons for the first time, like it was a big jump up to the PlayStation. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and and Undeniably, it's yeah. it's hard to tell the difference between the different generations. Like when you go from PlayStation Three to PlayStation Four, <laughs> yeah, to me it doesn't look that different. Yep, but it is that different. Like there is a lot more stuff happening now. Like we've moved to to high dynamic range lighting and and uh, like stereoscopic stuff now, and VR is becoming a thing and. Uh, we're going at higher and higher resolutions. Like people are starting to expect us to go into 4K, uh, yeah. and it's and it all still has to happen in real time. So it's like, like everyone's expecting the graphics to constantly get better and better and better, 
but then you're also getting hammered by the, the you know you've quadrupled the resolution when you go from uh, 720 by 480 up to like 1920 and now yep. you're quadrupling it again to get up to 4k like yep. <laughs> like <laughs> even even just quadrupling the resolution and making everything look just as nice is a big deal yeah yeah is there is there an analog to that in film i mean of course there is to some uh, yeah extent. well yeah. I, I just feel like film where i mean i'm reading about when they developed uh like some of the earlier pixar movies and i presume really any of the pixar movies but it's like they you know you render a scene and it doesn't matter if it takes forever to render because it's ultimately it's just going to be a scene that you put yeah like it's a you know a split there's a, there's there's portion totally of a second that goes into the film right where in a game yeah. it's like the computer has to simulate that so yeah no I, there's totally been a huge difference in film like they they're still expecting like less time and they want to pay less money for each film mm-hmm. uh, okay. and and at the same time they're cu- they're drastically increasing the number of shots that have the effects in them like if if you look at right uh, yeah i'm i'm curious like how many VFX shots were in Terminator 2. I was just about to say, probably using 90s movies would be a great uh, uh, comparison point. I mean, even like, say, uh, Alien 3. Like, I remember the Alien itself was, it looked terrible, kind of, but I mean, it was, they did some effects there, but ultimately everything else was practical effects, right? So I I, yeah. I know exactly I, what you're saying. Like, offhand, I'm not finding yeah. these numbers. Like, if, if I'd known this was what we were going to talk about, I, I could have been prepared <laughs> with some numbers. But, you know, I I think that in the 90s, like, your average blockbuster special effect heavy movie might have had something like 300 shots in it that had visual effects. And now it's, like, the whole movie. And now, yeah, it's it's practically the whole movie like you look at something like 300 like or Avengers, it, like yeah, the yeah. like it's all green screen or like <laughs> the, the the star wars movies and yeah. stuff like it's so much of it is green screen and they're constantly like trying to get more and more realistic and and bigger more amazing effects and stuff so and not only not only are they um like more and more of the film is that way, but like more and more of the films, like the Transformers and stuff, have like really fast cuts between shots. Mm. So you may have like ten cuts in like an eight second period versus like an older sequence where that eight second may have been all one shot. Right. So you've got to like get everything like simulated and hooked up all the time. That's I don't know. It doesn't always work to just do like one simulation, then cut the camera. Like sometimes it just doesn't make sense to do that because so much of the scene has changed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there, there's, there's a huge uh, growth of like the number of shots and there's, they're still ex- like expecting to pay the same budget <laughs> for a film. Yeah. Well, what about and each then, scene even? Like, I mean, if going yeah, to yeah. Terminator 2, like, the guy, like, uh, what is it, T-1000 or whatever? And the, yeah. the liquid metal Terminator, you have a scene of, like, him reforming his face after being yeah. shot. It's quite simple compared to, say, a scene from Avengers where there's big buildings everywhere exploding and people flying around. It's, like, not even it's, of the it's, same magnitude, right? It's not of the same magnitude, but at the same time, the tools were the much tools more are. simple back then. Of course. Yeah. Uh, like, like, they had to, like, manually model most frames of that and the stuff like it, yeah. that, that was actually a really big deal uh, and yeah. then of course they have to rotoscope everything by hand because like camera tracking software isn't as refined and um but you know they did some stuff like with the terminator for example like when uh, the t-1000 is like melted on the ground mm-hmm. and you start seeing the puddle forming together like that was legitimately mercury sitting <laughs> on the ground and they blew it around <laughs> with fans Yikes. So, you know, uh, they would never dream of doing that today. Like, all of that <laughs> is going to be CG. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, uh, like one of the shots I did in Jack the Giant Slayer was a shot of Jack uh, laying, hiding un- under a puddle of water while the giant reaches under it with his hand and starts picking up a sheep. Mm. And it's like... 
There was basically a still photo of the background on it and a still photo of the the character uh, laying down in like a pit and then doing the giant and the sheep and the water and the character's hair and the, like the cloth, like it's all CG. <laughs> the camera transitions from above the water to below the water. So like we had to do a lot of water simulation stuff. And uh, what was worse is it was a stereo film. So like mm. all the the raindrops and stuff that are happening right next to camera and stuff like, uh, you know, once once you're rendering in stereo, you've got to make every, you've got to render everything twice every frame. Mm, okay. So. <laughs> Uh, and then you're working on something like the the Hobbit so movies where so sorry Peter if Jackson I can inter- if I can yep. interject very quickly when you say stereo we're talking sound no no visual like 3D Vis- oh so like, it's like a 3D it was a 3D film yeah so okay 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 so yeah it's it's stereographic is right. is is the fur the full word and uh, most people call it 3D but then that gets confusing because if you're it's animating not. in 3D then that's what's 3D and yeah i see uh anyway so yeah we, the the actual term for those is is a stereo film got it um so obviously every time there's a, a you know if you were doing it 24 frames per second which is a film standard then you're now rendering two frames uh, for each one of those frames and then right. you've got people like peter jackson who's like okay uh, i want to do it in 60 frames per second <laughs> so <laughs> you know yeah. you've now y- it's not just a matter of rendering those extra frames like you have to simulate all that stuff like that that takes a lot longer to simulate so that you have 60 pieces of information every second as opposed to 24 pieces of information every second well it's just literally double the work isn't it uh, well when it's 24 to 60 it's more than double the work but yes but i mean <laughs> it's literally that that whatever that ratio comes yeah. out to that much more work right yeah but right. the but then you know so yeah there's there's a lot of changes that happen and and the audience doesn't care they still want to pay their 60 bucks for a game they still want to pay their 10 dollars for a movie yeah so yeah uh it's hard. I, yeah, no, I uh, I totally understand. Um, I mean, of course, uh, probably a lot of things are like that. I don't know. Uh, mm. Regardless of, of what new expectations are, if you have a price already set, <laughs> you know, you're stuck with it kind of. Like, I mean, it's famous how the uh, the Apple, um, the what is it called? I guess just the Apple store, the iOS store or whatever. Um, they uh, put a lot of pressure on everyone early on to sell every app for like a dollar and games mm. for a dollar and now they're always saying like that haunts the the mobile game industry because people still expect to pay a dollar for everything and yet the yeah. games themselves are like you've gone from like bejeweled kind of stuff all the way up to yeah. whatever like a lot of the more complex games you get nowadays and and you know i'm i'm pretty happy that companies like square enix will sell like uh, a, an ios version of final fantasy tactics and they'll charge like a, a, a the price that you would charge for one of their games yeah um I I feel like this race to the bottom is so good. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's definitely. it's great if it's a one man indie team doing Flappy Bird, <laughs> uh, and you know who do they need to pay other than themselves and and yeah. how much time and effort went into that game. But you know if 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 you want the industry to grow and become more than just endless runners, and yeah. and match threes. You know, you're gonna have to pay an amount of money that can support that. Yep. 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 Okay. Uh, well, one last question for you. Um, <laughs> it's again just uh, stuff that's <laughs> on my mind. But yeah. um, so obviously, film. Um, I know you did like I think Happy Feet was like a fully animated feature. Yeah. Like and Romeo Jack- and Juliet was also fully animated. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, obviously, games are also at least virtually all fully animated right whereas yeah. film you kind of have this interaction between live action and and uh are, 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 you, pi- are you pining for the sega cd days <laughs> <laughs> well it depends <laughs> how, how you define pining um <laughs> i could go on about my sega cd woes but i'll save it uh, um uh i guess i'm just wondering like i imagine the standard in film is to do more the like working with live action scenes and putting VFX into that versus the game uh, industry standard of just building entire scenes. 
Although it sounds like your film in your film experience, you had more of that kind of fully animated. But do you like is the contrast large, or do you find that a big difference between games and film? Mm. I mean, I th- I, maybe you only did the one movie that that had kind of the live action visuals. No, I did. I did. Uh, I did Jack the Giant Slayer, and I did Ender's Game. Um, okay. So I mean, the thing is, is that when you're working in film the most important thing is just getting it to look good uh mm. and and it only has to look good from the one angle so yeah. i mean unless you're doing stereo and then that's a slightly different thing but uh you have a very specific thing of what you're trying to achieve whereas right. in games at least the games i've worked on uh, they're 3D environments, and you don't know where the player is going to look. Right. And you don't know when they're going to look. You don't know what weapon they're going to have equipped at a certain point in the game. So it's like the, y- there's a lot more of just having to account for everything and make mm. stuff look good from all angles. And, um, you know, I- instead of having just a single like a photograph frame thing where you're looking at a waterfall. Like you have to think of like, what if the character gets up close to the waterfall? What if they're far away? What if they get to the left of it or what if they get behind it or something? So it's like, uh, is there a lot of cheating you can do in film that obviously you can't do in games? Yeah. I mean, I'm just wondering, I mean, obviously if you build out a full 3d model of something, you yeah, need that yeah, in a game in a 3D world, but in the movie maybe you could just do the front part. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah. So 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 there's a lot of like be being able to cheat stuff cuz you only ever need to look at it from the one angle and yeah. um generally speaking you only ever need to see it once. Uh right. whereas in games like you're you're probably going to take each effect that you build and and you know populate every level with it or like the person's going to fire the gun more than one time so it's like stuff has to consistently look like it belongs and and uh people are are going to be able to look at it over and over and over again and scrutinize it yeah Um, at the same time you can uh, patch a game and like fix your little mistakes whereas i imagine yeah i don't know what the feeling is it's like obviously you have to get it right right I mean, I mean, there will be director's cuts and stuff, and sometimes <laughs> they will change it for Blu-ray or whatever. Yeah. But um, no, no, I mean that is one thing is that you get to fix the bugs. But um, uh, I had a thought, and it's escaping me. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all right. Noted. Cool. Okay. Well, um, I don't know. I enjoyed that. I mean, I, I, we've talked about VFX before, but I'm still kind of obviously naive i mean you and i have i i think it's the first time we've touched on it at all for the podcast so yeah i don't remember uh, i thought we did an early episode i'd have to look back but either way um yeah good discussion cool yeah uh yeah okay <laughs> so <laughs> so anyway 50, time's up about 50 minutes and not at all <laughs> what we thought we might have talked about <laughs> but <laughs> hey we sit we uh, uh we sit chances are there will be some people that find this more interesting than what we were going to talk about <laughs> so rocket okay well thanks for sharing your thoughts um and uh so let's look forward to more evening podcasts yeah <laughs> catch you later high five <laughs>